Hello and welcome to the Best of Dare Daniel. That's what I'm calling this series of reruns now. It's Best of Dare Daniel. It's classy now. Sure, it's, yeah. It's like you were practically demanding, you had our arm twisted. Like, please, please, please rerun this episode. I think Best of smartens it up. It's like the Carson's Classics it, of our absolutely. podcast. This is what we're going yeah. for right now. We've Super classy, <laughs> like when, he, when Johnny Carson put on a gypsy hat. <laughs> <laughs> like classy like that but you're okay? gonna get the you're gonna get the trimmed down robert goulet interview where he talks about touring with the music man for you know and we're gonna give you the best of the animal visits it's not you don't have to sit through the boring ones oh no no yeah. just the ones where something defecates or urinates on the host or johnny That's- is so scared he has to run off stage <laughs> grab a cocktail get divorced come running back on if you haven't figured it out right now by now, this is the Dare Daniel Podcast. I'm film critic Daniel Barnes. With me, as always, comedy legend oh. Corky McDonald. Say hi to the nice folks. I'm now going as best of Corky McDonald. This is this is my title now. You're this getting... is just the hits from here on <laughs> You're out. You're getting you the guys. best of me. <laughs> no more filler. That's finally, God. Dan, I was mailing it in the last five years. I noticed. Now I it's noticed. the best of. Corky, you come to us a changed man. Mm. You were away. On our last intro to the best of Dare Daniel, Fateful Findings, our most popular episode of 2022, you were away on your honeymoon, sir. You are now betrothed. You are married. You're a married man. Mm-hmm. You're part of the married man set. Yeah. Uh, talk talk about it. Your lovely bride, uh, Heather, who we all love. And, you know, talk about the wedding a little bit. Well, we uh, we did a surprise wedding where surprise wedding it was a surprise wedding. <laughs> it truly was. Uh huh. We had- I showed up thinking it was just going to be a dinner at Mulvaney's, and then suddenly there's Corky and Heather dressed to the nines. Right. Like, hey, we're getting married. That was the one way I could ensure I would dress better than everybody. Like, there's <laughs> ne- I'm never the smartest dressed guy in the room. Uh, but no, we invited fa- family, friends, beloved ones, uh, yourself, and you know. we had everybody come in, and it was just we wanted to have a good party. Good dinner, good memories with the people we love, and uh, and that's what we did. And it was a wonderful night. It was a wonderful. Yeah, wonderful it was. Night. It was great, and it was a, a Thursday night too. We had yeah. no idea. We didn't think we'd be out for four hours. And uh, just the next morning, it was just so surreal because we're just back to our normal lives. Like, wait, we went to a wedding last night. <laughs> what? Huh? One Ow. of the funniest things is getting like social media responses back from people like, holy shit, that's my friend's dad. Or, you know, like, oh, my God, I was next to her at the Lumineers concert a month ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you, you start getting reports from people that know people you know, you know, who've shared the photos and stuff like that. It's fun. Nothing's that's changed, great. though. Nothing's changed except no, I, no, no. I I forget to put my ring back on after I wash dishes or something. <laughs> exactly, it's weird. And I, when I'm invited to weddings, it's always interesting to me to be like, okay, well, where am I sitting? Not just because I want I want to make sure the food is delivered to me and and the drinks and everything, yes. but also you're kind of like. How where, where where does this person whose wedding it is categorize me? Mm. Where am, am I here? Am I here? Where am I going to be sitting? And I was at the comedy table. Hey. I was at the t- comedy table with a lot of your friends from the comedy spot. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the real treats of the night was we got to meet the Lemkes, me and my lovely wife, Darcy. We finally got to meet in person the Lemkes. And just a, a fun bit of trivia for, for fans of the show, obviously the Lemkes uh, their youngest son, they have four sons. Right, right. And their younger son is the one who is prophesied to come and murder me and take over the podcast one day. 
Just a, a, a fun, <laughs> just a fun bit of trivia. <laughs> That's just trivia. Yeah. Don't. I mean, he's like two years old, so don't. We've got file some time. That, file that away. But there's a whole prophecy yeah. and everything. Uh, and I did not get to meet the the young tyke. I think Bruce is the name of their two year old. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm just making that up. But uh, I asked where he was, and they said he was at home. Uh, pumping iron. Sure. So that concerned me. He's at home <laughs> just looking up uh, poisons and how to disguise it's, them. It's like he's getting very handy with a blade. <laughs> he's learning demolition. It's like, yeah. oh, that's not good. While also watching, you know, the uh, collection of Truffaut and uh, getting his bona fides up in the critic world as well. Right? Ah, he's just attacking me from all sides, yeah. this kid. Oh, boy. Oh, big, big. Big problems ahead, but that was a really fun, fun night. So awesome! But one thing I want to say is when Bruce does come and knock you off and take the mantle, yeah, sure, he will get the best of Corky McDonald. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still going to be doing the show for him. You give the best, of course. course. He'll get the best of the best of Corky McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) Not this version. I'll be better then. All right, let's get on to this week's episode, Corky. One of our most popular episodes. I'm just going by numbers mm-hmm. here, people. I got the stats. I'm how else would you do it? Would you go by letters? I wouldn't. Personally, I'd be confused on how that even works. Symbols? <laughs> this movie has the most ampersands? What? <laughs> what do you- <laughs> how do you... What? How, how is that a thing? So I'm just going by the lessons here. And one of our most popular episodes of all time. A movie that I think, you know, not only is it a one of our most listened to episodes, one of our most talked about. As I'm going back and looking at some of these episodes, I'm thinking like, what are the ones that you and I talk about as like a touchstone? Yeah. When we're reviewing a completely different movie 50 episodes later, what's the one that we look back as a touchdown? And I think this movie is our ultimate example of a film that is painful to watch. Especially one with retina shredding CGI, Mm. like where it really actually hurts to look at and is probably very dangerous to do so. That movie, of course, ladies and gentlemen, is Ultraviolet, starring Mia Jovovich as a hemophage. She's a hemophage. We can't say vampire. Vampire is your dad's vampire. (laughs) Yeah, man. We're hemophages and we're (laughs) Bad. <laughs> but we're stylistically bad. Corky Ultraviolet. Why of all of mm. the hundred and thousand million movies that we've reviewed so far, hundred and what are we at? Thirty something? Twenty something? Yeah. Right, whatever. Why did this one? Why did this one stick out to our audience? Why do people like see this and they download it and they listen to it over and over again? Why do they see it online and think, oh, rad, a review of Ultraviolet. I'm going to click on this thing. What do you think it is that touched a nerve with our audience? Because I think, honestly, that was the first time listeners could actually feel us, just feel the pain of what we chose to do for a podcast. They're like, <laughs> fuck, guys, we get, we'll give you sympathy listens. We're going to listen to this one over and over. Yeah. You know, um, I just, I do remember, and I think that this might have resonated with people. That was the first one where I was like, what the fuck are we doing, yeah, man? Yeah, like, why, why, why would we do this to Yeah, ourselves? it's hard to yeah. talk about this movie, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, just watch the movie so uh hopefully that carried through i hope so and carried through across the years too so when you think back on this movie quirky what is the what is the sequence or the scene or the thing that just stands out to you out of this movie what in your mind's eye when you think ultraviolet what do you what do you latch on to i it has to be the 
battle with the blood chinois on the rooftop because that's where the filmmaker was just trying to go all out right just trying to get yes. in his bag and and say this is really this is my and matrix blow this, your fucking mind yes yes so and failing so miserably uh, and, and you, you want to talk hard to watch so in the sequence it's this big fight that's happening between Mio Jovovich and these like you know a dozen or so assassins but the way it's shot is that it zooms into someone's sunglasses and then what's in the sunglasses is now the action. Right. And then that, the action then zooms into someone else's sun. They're all wearing sunglasses because this is some vampire matrix bullshit. Yeah. Then you're in their sunglasses and then you're in someone else's sunglasses and then you're just continually in people's glasses and sunglasses and reflections and then the reflections aren't reflections and aren't, aren't, aren't. It's, it, I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling and it's so hard to look at. But I do agree. It is really like the, the standout sequence in the movie. What always, what I always capture, or what I always latch onto when I think about this movie, and what I always think about when I think that retina shredding CGI is there's a big chase scene where she's on a motorcycle, dude. Yeah, and she she rides her motorcycle up a building, and there's a brief moment, and I believe I mentioned in the episode where it almost seems like the film is buffering, like the film <laughs> is like. I need to load up. Like I need to load a little bit. This is too much for me to handle because it's just like it stops and starts in this really herky jerky way. It's yeah. just it's so painful to watch, but it's just it's really a, a ideal example of that early two thousand CGI where they did not have the technology yet, but fuck it. Right. Everything in this movie is CGI. Because at this point in the two thousands, Mia Jovovich is just sitting on a motorcycle dummy. In, in front of a bunch of green pads, you know, with people in ping pong balls standing around her, moving things. She has no idea what she's supposed to be riding. And it's up a building. And buildings have mullions. They have cracks. They have <laughs> stonework. The motorcycle, none of that is affected. The wind that would be rushing by, her voice does not modulate to accompany. You know, she's not shouting. It's just, it's terrible. It really is. And really, this is even like pre that ping pong ball mm. technology mm -hmm. because that indicates a certain amount of precision going on right <laughs> this is like clip art cgi right i mean that's how bad it looks so any final words before we send our listeners into this um fascinating and really quite painful experience well i do want to just reiterate a thank you to marco cabote who dared us to watch yes. this movie he has dared us some really good ones and uh, and really popular ones. So the movies that resonated with Marco and what he wants to hear us talk about, he's he's not alone. Absolutely, Magic Marco. That's what I call him. Yeah, <laughs> he's got that mat. He's got that Midas touch. Looked like a lot of lawbreakers out there tonight. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this command performance. Remember, you commanded it. Mm -hmm. Of ultraviolet. Cue the Carson Classics. And we back, 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 podcast listeners! You are listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares. We, we suffer the consequences for your amusement. 
I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm a vampiristic hemophage gun cotta specialist. <laughs> With me, as always, is film critic, my man, Daniel Barnes. Hey, everyone. As Corky said, on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. A run-of-the-mill bad film is rated a dare. We give a double dare to those truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that is actually pretty good. <laughs> Imagine that. This morning on the podcast, we are reviewing Kurt Vimmer's ice-scalding 2006 sci-fi action film, Ultraviolet, starring Mia Jovovich as a vampire who fights special effects. But before we get started, my man Dan is going to tell us about the beer we'll be drinking during the show. So today on the show, I brought a beer from a brewery that we have not tried yet we've we've kind of gone on to the same breweries a lot we've done a lot of new glory a lot of revision i brought one from lead dog brewing in reno this is their take two crushable northeast ipa it's a hazy ipa uh, it's implied by the northeast it is a 5.8 percent alcohol by volume quirky how you liking it it's delicious man this is definitely crushable they ain't lying with that Oh, yeah, that's very tasty. Yes. Very tasty. A lot of flavor, but still uh, light and very drinkable. Absolutely. I'm going to take two if you don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) So, today's dare came to us from fan of the show, listener, friend of the show. He provided a great dare before with Cutthroat Island, Mm -hmm. Marco Cabote. Marco Cabote's dare came to us like this. Nonsensical Mia Jovovich action vehicle that alternates between incredibly ambitious and incomprehensibly stupid. Damn, Marco just said it all right there. <laughs> That's the whole review. That was all of my notes. was Cut just that line over, over and over again. It's an amazing mix of everything being almost not as awful as it is. It's underlined admirably unwatchable. That I'm going to disagree with. Right, yeah. The unwatchable part. No, no issues there. Or admirably. Admirably, that I have an issue with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unwatchable, definitely. The I am motherfucking Daniel Barnes synopsis, IMDB for all y'all sleepers. A beautiful hemophage infected with a virus that gives her superhuman powers has to protect a boy in a futuristic world who was thought to be carrying antigens that would destroy all hemophages. That is admirably unreadable. so ultraviolet stars mia jovovich as violet song jot sharif right of course and if you are wondering if mia jovovich the ukrainian born mia jovovich is playing a character who is white but also might be asian but also might be middle eastern (laughs) you are correct (laughs) this movie is awful it co-stars cameron bright aka the little kid from birth uh nick chunlin sebastian andrew all-star cast film has a number of similarities with the Resident Evil series that stars Mia Jovovich, but there's even more similarities to writer-director Kurt Vimmer's previous directorial effort, Equilibrium. Vimmer also uh, is mainly known for as a screenwriter. He wrote such gems as Sphere, The Recruit, Law-Abiding Citizen, Good Lord. Salt, and the remakes of Total Recall and Point Break. He is awful. <laughs> but as I said, there's a lot of similarities to his first directorial effort, Equilibrium, from 2002. That film starred Christian Bale and Tate Diggs. Both movies set in a dystopian future. Both films feature gun kata fight scenes and katana battles. Both are awash in Matrix-style trench-coated badassness. 
which is to say not badass right. at all. Yeah. Both feature character actor William Fichtner. Both seem to have crazy, clumsy, quasi-topical thematic metaphors that make you wonder if Kurt Wimmer is a Scientologist. You think? Equilibrium links pharmo-psychology with fascism, whereas this film links all doctors with yes. fascism. The, the concept of medicine is fascist. <laughs> Those films movie. are starred an outcast of a repressive society, but one who shoots and kicks very well. The bad guy in Equilibrium is named Vice Counsel DuPont. Yeah. Here, Vice Cardinal Ferdinand Daxus. <laughs> Nothing is scarier than putting Vice in front of someone's title. Vice <laughs> podcast host Corky McDonald. <laughs> Suddenly it's sinister. Sinister. It was hated by critics. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 9, a Metacritic score of 18. Ultraviolet didn't fare much better with audiences. It had a production budget of $30 million, worldwide gross of $31 million. Apparently did very well in the rental market and still is. I gave it three bucks. Right, I you know. I mean, three. still, still just racking up the money three bucks at a time. Open in fourth place at the box office behind the second week of Tyler Perry's Medea's Family Reunion, which had the same plot. And the first week, <laughs> the first week of sixteen blocks, and the second week of eight below. Sixteen of- blocks is apparently a movie starring Bruce Willis when mm-hmm. he used to have movies released into theaters and. Eight Below is a movie with Paul Walker and Snow Dogs. I forgot about so, that movie. Corky. Yeah. Marco Cabote, our good friend Marco Cabote, mm-hmm. he called the film admirably unwatchable. I would call it contemptibly unwatchable. Whose side are you on? Any variation unwatchable, not an option. Well, I'm going to call this movie Vice Admirably Unwatchable. Vice Admirably. So it's even worse than <laughs> it's Admirably. It's even worse <laughs> than Admirably. It earned the unwatchability. Vice Unwatchable. Oh. Um, so, little peek behind the curtain. Oh. Through the magic of something we call pre-recording, we have not been in this room recording a movie review in quite a while. Sure. But we've been releasing episodes consistently. Mm-hmm. None of the listeners would ever know this. No. Without me giving you this peek. I mean, my voice is much deeper now. Yeah, you've you've matured. My voice finally broke. You got through puberty. <laughs> Dan, there's a few more things we have to talk about. You're going to start noticing hair in places you don't yet have it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's not many places left, trust me. But to come back, to come back, to, the boys are back in town, and it's for this. Yeah. I think we're, we're earning our, oh, our pay on this time. one, man. This one was hard to watch hard to watch just hard to literally keep your eyes open and on the screen because it was so painful the images that were happening to use your eyes in the way nature intended them to was very difficult (laughs) for this movie it's an assault on your eyes on your intelligence on your ears on your ears everything is just horrifying yeah and it's completely covered in 2006 vig- digital effects, which feel more like 1996 I was gonna digital say, effects. Even in 2006, I would have been That like, was still bad. Yeah, this looks like a, a, a 1998 screensaver. There was one point where I felt like the entire film was buffering. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> they couldn't get the latency. Like, the whole film just seemed to, like, pause while the special effects loaded. Uh, part of the film is like 15 years past date. Yeah. Technology's too old. And then part of the film is 15 years ahead of its time because the whole film is filled, filmed in a Snapchat filter. Exactly. Like, all the, every time her hair changes colors, I'm like, oh, that's what every woman sh- I see pictures of on Snapchat now. It's like this theme, that theme. There's roses around her head. And it's sort of ahead of its time in the fact that it has this very strong female protagonist who just sure. kicks every man's ass. Yeah. You know, and that's a big thing now with like 
Captain Marvel uh, being a huge hit and a, a big theme of it is strong women. Yeah. And I mean, impossibly here's, here's strong the women. strongest woman, you know, I mean, but boy, this movie is just, it's impossible to watch. There's one scene where she, her character, Violet Song Jot Sharif Chang Jones, I don't know why, what the fuck, Yeah, where she is, has her entire face pulled apart by metal hooks. Right. Her eyes, her mouth, her nose, everything is just yanked apart by metal hooks. This movie does that to your senses. <laughs> All of your senses are just ripped open by metal hooks. Oh, did you not see it in the Alex from Clockwork Orange style that I did, where <laughs> my eyes were propped open and a man kept dabbing things That's into my eyeballs? That's the only way to make it through this thing. It's the only way you Literally. can. All right, so let's get into it. Here we go. Which, this movie's nonsense, so this will take like 30 the, seconds. He, 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 yeah, we're going to try to go through linearly, linearly, vice linearly, <laughs> which is the way we go through movies on this show. <laughs> But it's fucking impossible with this movie. It's impossible. Yeah, it's just like it's mostly fight scenes in front of a green screen. Yeah, right. That's all it is. And this is this movie came out like what a year after Sin City, which is the first movie probably to do that credibly. All right, Sin City. Yeah, Sky Captain, World of Tomorrow, sure. Spy Kids, just franchise, whatever. Yeah, and then that one, The Spirit. With uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Sure, and 300. They, yeah, and 300. They started doing that, and this was one of the bad attempts. This at. was really the bottom of the barrel of that. The other thing. thing I should preface it, we're probably going to play the pronoun game quite a bit in here, saying he walks in, she walks in, and it's mostly going to be about places, because you never know where the fuck you're where, at in this Yeah, movie. they just show up in some room, and then it's usually a circular room, and everybody is like in a circle on the border. Yeah. The wall of the room. That happens like three or four times. Just understand that watching the movie would not make any more sense than listening to a certainly film. not if anything we're going to clarify some stuff <laughs> and apparently there actually is a, a director's cut of this Good. that it explains some things that never get explained in the movie like you actually learn i've learned a lot just reading the wikipedia page interesting about the actual movie because none of this shit is ever really explained well the best movies always need further explanation by wikipedia absolutely that's, i mean that's the way absolutely orson welles did his whole catalog <laughs> that's i mean not for wikipedia for decades later he knew that there'd be a website to further explain what his vision was <laughs> So let's get into this thing. Let's go, baby. Ultraviolet, written and directed by Kurt Vimmer, graduate of the uh, University of South Florida. Thank you, Wikipedia. I mean, it's, <laughs> it just gives and gives it's and like gives. You know everything. I know everything about this guy. So it starts out in this way where it seems to be kind of like almost Spider-Verse-y. I don't know if you've seen Into the I Spider-Verse. I haven't seen Spider-Verse yeah. yet, no. So in Spider-Verse, there's all the different spider people. There's all the different iterations of Spider-Man, and there's a wormhole, wormhole, W-word, oh boy. that connects them all, and they all come together. And this movie seems to be doing the same thing of saying, like, Ultraviolet has this whole comic book mythology. Because we see comic book covers, we see all these illustrations. The credits They're in different languages. This is a, like this kind of Marvel-style opening credits, kind of giving this impression that Ultraviolet is this long-running character, when really this is, there is no... D yeah. There isn't one. That fucking blew my mind. Yeah. There there was like a Mandela effect going on because as I was watching it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember seeing this on the shelves. No, I did not ever see this on the shelves because I made that up. But what – okay, come to find out that this is not really a comic book no. at all. This was the most brilliant part of the movie. This right? was the seriously. only seriously smart part of the movie because what they did – they did like a thing that Fargo did. Right. At the beginning of Fargo, it says inspired by a true story. Mm -hmm. It was not. No. There, there's one aspect that maybe could have been 
remotely tied to it. But when you see that, you go along with anything that comes on in the movie. You right. go along. You buy in. Well, that happened. So in this, I was willing willing to go along with like, oh, well, that's probably more explained in the comic books. There's probably something I'm missing. The movie built that in up front. Right. I was like, fuck you. When I found out it wasn't a real oh, comic book. Man, it's you and the great, Berenstain Bears. Get your fucking shit out of here. a great bit. But yeah, the movie, as soon as you see an actual Vimmer-directed image, the movie just turns to complete yep. shit right away. Like, the second you see it, it's just like, oh, this is garbage. Yeah, oh yeah. This just looks fucking awful. Nothing looks real. Everything was obviously just shot in a very, a room probably smaller than this in front of a green screen. Yeah. That's it. That's your, you know, that's your whole movie. It was at all created two, on computers. At 202, your eyes start to physically hurt. Yeah. So we see Violet. So Violet is the main character. That's Mia Jovovich. Yeah. She has what I would just call a very Sydney Bristow vibe, if you've ever seen Alias. Like her look is very Sydney Bristow. It looks like one of her many aliases. Violet's opening narration explains, and this is one of many times where it just seems as though the script was written by someone who does not speak english right fluently yeah <laughs> like this was yeah. a google translate script <laughs> says that she was quote born into a world you may not understand understatement of the century See, i think i don't think that was in the script i think that was later <laughs> added they're like this does we need something built no up one on understands top. this you're not going to understand anything lay out the possibility <laughs> that this will be totally nonsensical that's a re-record <laughs> balls hit buildings what yeah ninjas enter and kill scientists but it's a trap and the ninjas are dead this now starts that's complete nonsense <laughs> this now starts a solid 10 to 15 minutes of backstory right of just gushing backstory at you of what this futuristic world is this dystopian world with there's dialogue delivered during this ninja bowl <laughs> ball battle fight scene Hemophages. They have flat space technology. Compressed dimensions. <laughs> what? Like, what, is, what? None of that is what? ever examined That's or brought back. Nonsense. <laughs> Basically, hemophages are vampires. They they are called vampires at one point. At 46 minutes into the movie. One mo moment, they're called vampires. But that's basically what they are. They're sort of like an I Am Legend version of vampires. A few people have pointy teeth. Apparently in the director's cut, they explain a lot more of what their powers are, that they can regenerate very quickly. Also that they have like a sort of ticking clock, mm -hmm. that they only live for something like 22 years after they're infected. Okay. And apparently Violet is in like her last couple of days of her 22 years. Maybe put that up front, yeah. that you have a ticking clock throughout the entire movie, because that is never... They put a ticking clock on the package. <laughs> yes! Okay, so now that you say that, it makes me think there's a critical plot point. She thinks, I had to see what I was risking my life for. Yeah. You're about to die. <laughs> what do you care? I know. Any mission's a suicide mission for you. <laughs> it all started uh, in an illegal weapons lab. They were trying to create super soldiers. There was some sort of an outbreak, and now the Arch Ministry controls everything. And who leads the Arch Ministry? The evil Vice Cardinal Ferdinand Daxus. This guy just likes putting adjectives in front of things. The Arch Ministry, the Vice <laughs> Cardinal. It's future now. <laughs> so we get a whole bunch of backstory, and this is where the... Oh God, it, this movie is so fucking pretentious. Yeah. Like, the pretentious thematic stuff going on. Basically, terrorism equal disease, 
equal cures equal concentration camp. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And now doctors control everything. That's where the, I think the big Scientology stuff comes in, right? There. Oh, absolutely. So Violet, we find out, lost her husband and her baby, and quote. So began the blood wars. What? <laughs> what? The, D- Dan the, just spent more time on that point than the movie blood did. Wars now. You just have to accept that now there's blood wars and she became a badass somehow. So the whole world is infected. And we see it because Vice, Vice Cardinal Ferdinand Daxus mm-hmm. has wearing nose filters and he drinks his coffee with like it has a, a lid on it. Uh, like a sanitary lid on it, you know, and he has to peel that away, and then there's hot coffee. And he's always there. wearing pinstripe suit, and his gloves are also pinstripe. Yeah, his pinstripe gloves. He has all this kind of safety material on to protect him from the infection. We cut kind of cut between now action, which is a courier showing up to some place somewhere we don't know to do something. Ultraviolet is the courier. <laughs> Dialogue tells her that she's substantiated. <laughs> I, is that good? Is that bad? There's retinal scans, there's exothermal scans. <laughs> it's just a lot of visual nonsense. It's awful. Everything is nonsense. It, it, so she takes this invasive test, which is to make sure that she's human, which apparently if you're not human, any of these tests, she would just go crazy. But they're still like super invasive tests because doctors. Yeah. Ah. But it also gives us a chance for a good butt shot on Mia Jovovich right. to walk down a highway, hallway naked. And meanwhile, we're still getting bombarded with backstory. We mm-hmm. find out that hemophages are nearly extinct. Uh, but there is a plan to eradicate them entirely, a, quote, a case containing a weapon. Okay. And she's the courier who is there to pick up the case, and she has to give up her DNA to confirm receipt of the page of the case, the case Guffin, as I like to call it. The case Guffin, absolutely. <laughs> and the contents of the package will self-destruct. And she is XPD-154 at she's this point XPD-154. of the movie. She's XPD-154. But this, then, they what? They say that a million times. XPD-154. Yeah. But the real XPD-154, Violet, is actually Violet, not XPD-154. XPD, the real XPD-154 pulls up outside just at the time the fake XPD-154 is getting discovered <laughs> on the inside. And... I was like, okay, the fake XPD-154 is going to be pissed. She's going to be chasing her this whole movie. You never see the real XPD-154. That's a day's wrap on XPD-154, everybody. (laughs) You will not be invited to the rap party, XPD-154. All lines are overdubbed and delivered with the same monotone flatness. It's the same thing. All the dialogue sounds like ADR, and all the visuals look completely fake she's on a motorcycle everything going looks and sounds fake several hundred miles per hour and her talking is just like this <laughs> as she's a so when violet gets discovered this leads to the first of many very long and boring fight scenes boring the worst just tons of cutaways lots of fakeness but she has a device called a gravity leveler <laughs> So Violet can get away because she has a gravity leveler, which just, like, makes gravity crazy, I guess. I guess. She so runs on the ceiling. She, like, hates everyone. She she hates humans, so she kills everyone, and this starts this motorcycle chase. Before the motorcycle chase, though, but when she's got the gravity leveler and going straight Lionel Richie dancing, <laughs> like shooting everybody, the, the, the bad guys in this movie at this point are just the worst stormtroopers of all time. Oh, yes. It's just run into bullets and then miss. She They will fire bullets. Three feet away from her and miss completely. <laughs> they are the worst. 
the interior design and decorating, mm-hmm. for some reason, they do rooms in biohazard theme. Like, <laughs> the the room looks like a biohazard symbol. Like, I, w- I just want to see the city council on this disapproving. Like, <laughs> no, this doesn't have enough bright yellow hazard warning in this room. You haven't architecturally designed that this room could, you know, poison your blood. It's, it's fucking garbage. It is quite garbage. And the whole thing just looks like a shitty-ass video game. The first time we see that might be something wrong with her, she kills everybody. She walks out of the room and vomits. Right. And I thought XPD-154 uh-huh. is pregnant. Yeah. No. No. She's just a hemophage. She's just a hemophage. Pregnant with that nasty virus. <laughs> She's got the virus. <laughs> she needs that blood. Which is a... Do they need blood? I don't know. It's so That's confusing. Ba- ah. It makes no sense. <laughs> Motorcycle chase. So they're chasing up and down buildings because remember, she's got a gravity leveler. Off the chart, bad looking. I was actually yelling, oh my God. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, how (laughs) does that look that bad? (laughs) This is where it really pulls you out of the movie because there's no tension to any of this. Yeah. There's no tying to reality. She's riding her motorcycle up buildings yeah it's just a flat surface that she's riding on mm-hmm. like the things aren't constructed like they are in real real world there's no mullions on windows there's no cracks that she would the motorcycle would skip on it's just riding up the side of the building. Right up there and then it builds to like this uh, helicopter's chasing her and it's builds to this big thing like when she jumps up the building mm-hmm. but then the next scene she's just flat on the top of the building which is <laughs> flat just as well and then she rides off oh and then she jumps through two helicopters sure. and the guys are sh- one of those helicopter guns that's like you see in vietnam movies <laughs> they're shooting that right in her face and she just rides through and kills him on the helicopter yeah she can't be hurt she in any way no matter if it's two guys or 70 guys but she rescues the case guffin and she gets away. The case guffin very fittingly looks like a toilet seat lid. Mm, yeah, and she decides, good. as we did when we saw this toilet, to look inside of the toilet. And inside of the toilet is a little boy. Well, there's half of a little boy. It's just a piece of a little boy. Floating in digital blueness. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> They did some kind of magician's trick with the little boy. At which point, the leader of the hemophages walks in and slow claps. <laughs> he slow claps. He's just a sarcastic hemophage. Of all the hateable aspects of this movie, the Euro trash that play the... the <laughs> Hemophages that she's initially aligned with. I call them the strokes from from the. (laughs) It was the strokes were the hemophages. And apparently the arch ministry wants to atomize the tissues of this child, who's a weapon and a child, remember? They want to atomize his tissues into the atmosphere, which will kill all hemophages. Uh, But Violet, of course, her motherly instinct, remember she lost her baby, that motherly instinct kicks in. And she won't let the evil hemophage kill the child. And she absconds with the case guffin. Yeah. Because she runs up to the roof. Yeah. She's on some helipad or something yeah. like that. And you think, okay, that, there's a bunch of Asian guys. Well, so no, I thought bl- Asian vampires? Wrong. Not Asian vampires. Not Asian hemophages. They're the blood chinois. They're the blood chinois, Daniel. That's you, supposed to mean something. They rule the upper eight floors of that building, as <laughs> is told to this us. This is our helipad. We have no idea what any of that means. They want to kill the child now for some reason. They want to kill her. 
And the child. And the child. But she she won't let him, so now there's a big fight with the blood chinois on this helipad. Which all veteran gang members and experienced gunmen do. You get in a five-foot radius circle around your target and open fire wantonly at them. This is where Kurt Vimmer, he goes next level here. This scene is fucking bonkers because it does this thing and this this happened a lot in i feel the early 2000s where people After were like oh we can do digital shit like this we can make the camera go through anything right right so the camera they're all fighting she's whipping everybody's ass she's karate chopping everybody the camera goes into someone's ear and then comes out of the barrel of a gun that gets shot. And then you follow the bullet, and that goes to you see somebody's sunglasses, and you see the reflection. Then you go into the sunglasses, and that is the world. But then they go into other sunglasses, and then those go out. I mean, oh, fuck. It looks terrible, and it's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's just so dumb. It's just a, like, a, we can do this, so let's just do it. She just dodges several bullets, and of course the bullets hit the person who were right behind her because they all chose to stand they're in the circle. Like, yeah, the I circle see the, was a bad idea. A director's cut of this movie where every one of these bad choreographed gun scenes is cut with uh, Robert De Niro from Ronin showing how to do an ambush <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the chalkboard. So there's a big gun dance battle. The kid shows up on the ledge. Um, That's Now we see he's a full kid. He's a full kid. I, he's I out sitting on the ledge. He was a digital half a child yeah. floating in blue goop. I just wrote. I don't know what happened here. Some, some of these things, I just have notes because this was like a week and a half ago that I watched this and I've completely forgotten the movie. So at one point I wrote, more EDM, more chases, more gun foo, more fuck you. <laughs> so there you go. More fuck you. So then Daxus shows up. You remember Vice Cardinal Ferdinand Daxus? Well, he shows up and says, the child in the case is his kid. Mm. Which, to which Violet says... You're full of shit. <laughs> it's just a very sleepaway camp fucking answer. And that's supposed to be some big moment between them. I, I mean, this was like their heat De Niro Pacino face off. <laughs> You're full of shit. And then she backs into reverse and drives <laughs> off. Drives off. <laughs> so the kid has not spoken at all. She takes him to meet uh, William Fichtner. William Fichtner. Character actor who's, I like him. He's actually a good character actor. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just basically a scientist. He's Will Fi the science guy. Yeah, he's her <laughs> He's her uh Blade's weapon. Yeah, guy. he's Chris Christopherson yeah, and Blade, basically. That's it. So the kid finally talks. His name is Six. Six, we find out from Will Fi the Science Guy, will both kill and cure hemophages. So wrap your head around that. He's a child and a weapon, Dan. <laughs> Woo! Heavy. At one point, I don't remember what happened, but somebody pulled a gun out of plastic wrap. I don't remember why that happened, but do you remember that? Yeah, that was when the Euro, the Strokes and Daxes have a showdown. <laughs> and Daxes rips it out of a... Yeah, he, put, he has everything in these gray plastic baggies and pulls them out, pulls out a gun, and he, then makes himself a cup of tea, <laughs> or a cup of coffee, while the Strokes just come into this movie... And then the lights go dark, and then he just guns all them all down except for one. Yeah, who was the, her boyfriend? But the gun is like uh, hermetically sealed, right? It's it's in this like um, safety wrap or something, and he yeah. just like yanks it out of the safety wrap, which it's, is a great moment. Whatever, fantastic stuff. <laughs> so Daxus and the evil hemophage have matters of mutual self interest. Uh, so they they align. So now the arch ministry and the evil hemophages have aligned. Mm-hmm. There's a fireworks scene where 
Violet and the kid kind of bond. They bond a little bit. They monologue about all sorts of nonsense. What I love is that, so remember, she's a human who Hates ha- had a baby. Yeah. That she lost the baby when she got infected. Mm-hmm. The, and But she was a human and to an adult age because she had a baby. True, right? right, yeah. She says, humans are celebrating something. Like, you don't know what the fucking 4th of July is. You were a human for decades. No one ever told you, like, on 4th of July. What are those fireworks? Like, what the fuck? Come on. <laughs> That's true. That's a great point. So she tells him, you're dying. Because at that point, Six needed to know that in the script. Absolutely. But we find out Six is not a cure. He's a tracking device. And now he will die. <laughs> So there you go. This scene between Violet and Six, it's dark. It's very, they're opening emotions. And Six is too young to know this, but he totally could have gotten laid. <laughs> I know, right? That, that was one of those moments where you make, you say the right things, you make the right move. Yeah, and apparently, especially when you find out she's only got hours left yeah. to live. I mean, she's grasping at straws at that point, right? honestly. <laughs> This is where my notes wrote, so they're vampires? Question mark. This is the first <laughs> time someone you're... mentions vampires. Yes. <laughs> There's this whole thing with disposable phones. Because that's the wave of the future of 2006, I... <laughs> right? That's in the future. I'm Kurt Vibber. I studied future at University of South Florida. I saw the wire season two. I definitely two. think disposable phones. People are just going to be chucking their phones all the time. Violet doesn't know. She's got her motherly instinct. Yeah. So she wants to protect Six, but she's not sure really whether to trust Six because maybe he's a weapon who will kill all hemophages. Maybe he's a tracking device. Maybe he's all these different things. Maybe he's dying anyway, so there's really no point. Absolutely. She seems to set him up. Yep. The soldiers kill another child. Wait, yeah. There's like a whole there will be blood style abandoning a kid somewhere scene, right? Leaves the kid there. Six knows what's going on, but he lets her do it. She knows that all of the arch ministry soldiers are after this kid, right? Yeah. So knows the hemophages are after the kid. Everyone's after the damn kid. So the soldiers kill... The kid, but then we find out, no, it wasn't six. It was some other kid. It's and it's just, it's literally supposed to be like, whew, yeah. <laughs> just a random child died. Not the thing that will kill all of us. <laughs> like, that's the fucking morality of this movie. Violet Song Jet Sheriff, who's abandoned everything to rescue this one kid, sees that it's another dead, murdered child and is like, okay, oh, wow. Whew, thank God. Not the one who's going to die in four hours anyway. Woo. So there's more fights. There's more use of the gravity leveler. There's a fu- a, a big fight where she's grabbing guys by the hair. The the graveyard fight scene against stuntmen. Yeah. yeah. So she's grabbing their hair. Then there's a whole sword fight with all the hemophages, and she cuts off all the hemophages' heads. This is how bullshit this movie is because so the uh, new Euro Trash. I think the Strokes have teamed up with the Hives <laughs> on this one. They've got six over a well. They're holding him over a well. Yeah. Up a, yes. You've heard <laughs> like all this right. Well. It's the future well. <laughs> and she has her sword now. Now she's using a sword. Before she's using a Uzis for everything. Like she uses Uzis to open doors. She spray shoots Uzis at the door openers and it opens a door for her. <laughs> now she's using a sword. She's surrounded by bad guys and the lights go dark. The lights come up. They're all dead. Yes. That's the way they got around that. <laughs> no time for sword fight training for Mia Jovovich. Yeah. At some point, again, this is just in my notes, someone spits on her hand? Did that happen? 
she spits later on somebody's face or throws something later on. There's some face. spitting going on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the, uh, the battle at the house of blue leaves taught these bad guys anything. <laughs> like the crazy 88s should be the template for all future henchmen. You don't do a crazy 88 style. Don't attack. do it. Imagine a crazy 88s guy trying to get another job as a henchman. Like, whatever wants to Like, wait, 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 you at the house of blue leaves? Oh, geez, that's gonna. So you lost 87 of your pals. That's <laughs> gonna carry. That's gonna fall. You on LinkedIn. That's one. <laughs> you don't want to fill in LinkedIn. <laughs> Take that off your Indeed profile and just just just. But I, but I spent nine years with them. I, that's a long time to be a gap. <laughs> so now we find out six is not Vice Cardinal Ferdinand Daxus's child. What? It's Vice Cardinal Ferdinand Daxus's clone. We find that out via a floating head of Vice Cardinal Daxus in a room. It's a digital floating head. <laughs> and the fuck is happening in this movie? There is no cure for the contagion. No cure. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That'll probably be the end. No, it won't be the end of that. There's another fight against some, I just wrote 70s soldiers. I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> I don't remember what happened. This is how you know Mia Jovovich was so checked out in this movie. I think everybody was checked out in this movie because it's so green screen. There's a scene where they're supposed to be driving in the car and having a conversation. She does not look at the road for like a solid <laughs> minute and a half while she's delivering dialogue. I don't, I bet she didn't know she was driving at that time. Yeah, right. They're just like, I'm just walking down the street here. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. So, there's no antidote. Wait, yes, there is. Sure. Yeah. Now, Daxus says he will kill all humans to keep the order. That's the motivation. That's his motivation, is he wants order by killing all the humans, you know, because the hemophages are dying out, so now he's going to kill humans (laughs) to keep the order and to keep his spot as vice cardinal. Which kind of makes the end reveal not a reveal Mm. magnifico. So he's fooled by hologram Violet. That's right. Because Six tells Violet, there's no way you can get into the Arch Ministry. Yeah. You cannot get in. Make some big deal of it. She drives right on the rooftop. <laughs> Turns out that that's a hologram that they're watching from a higher rooftop. <laughs> yeah. That's good shit. That's just good shit. So Violet apparently decides all is lost. No cure for the contagion. Uh, the kid's going to die. There's no chance. So she takes him to a playground. So they have like this. They do on the little, spi- what do you call it? The little spinning. Merry-go-round. The little merry-go-round thing yeah. that you, you spin around the, the, on. Sp- not, the, not, not like a carousel merry-go-round, but the one you kind of spin each yeah. other on. There's like this slow motion somewhere that's green uh, montage. Yeah. Where they're just frolicking they're on their slow grass. slow frolicking. <laughs> But uh, in the background, the kid gets sick. Yes. There's a helicopter comes down. He dies of merry-go-round related injuries. <laughs> Frolic related injuries. The Arch Ministry soldiers apparently come in. And I just wrote in my notes, she is shot dead. Then she is fine. Yeah. There you go. He, She's shot dead, but then who saves her? We'll find a science guy. The he next, does science on her. The next scene, he says, luckily, we were able to replace the containment team or whatever the fucking verbiage is. <laughs> what? what? How? What What happened? What, how, did, how did that happen? You have, you're aligned with no one. She asks him, why are you, Garth, when I, who, who it is, the guy, William Fickner, <laughs> Will Five, the science guy. She asks, why are you saving me? And he says to her, isn't it obvious? 
And I'm like, no. no nothing is obvious. <laughs> Stop assuming that things are obvious. I would have thrown something at the screen in the movie theater and say, no, it's not. Literally none of this is obvious. I still don't know that motivation. But don't worry because Six wrote a thing on a piece of paper that will save everyone somehow. That's right. Right before he died. But no, he is not dead. <laughs> so <laughs> there's more horrifying special effects. There's a scene where she she finally breaks into the bad guy's combine. They're about to do surgery on Six. She drove, For some reason, yeah, I don't know why. She drove up to a different location. Goes to a different she location. walks into. And there's a computer voice that scans her and says, Number of weapons found. Many. <laughs> <laughs> so, surgery is happening on Six. And while this is happening, she's just cutting a bloody path yeah. to to this uh, room of surgery she's, and device Cardinal Ferdinand Axis. There's a nice lingering butt shot of her in her white leather suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She kills 50 million guys. Absolutely. Then we get her in a red leather suit, <laughs> different hair color, kills 40 million guys, and the voiceover says, single female intruder at Portal 1, which I would have liked to see as a reboot of Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, single female intruder at Portal 1, some kind of futuristic thing. Get on it, Fox. So she, as you said, kills... Basically, millions of anonymous henchmen to save one toxic child who will kill everyone. In PG-13, completely bloodless swordplay. There's a great line between her and Daxus right before their body doubles have a sword fight. <laughs> where he says, you got hemo blood on me. And she says, it is on. No, he says Oh, he says it. He oh, says he gets it. both of those good lines? Yeah. Damn you it. got hemo blood on me. Pause. Pause. It is on. <laughs> Fuck up. There, ha- it's swords, Uzis, swords with Uzis, Uzis yes. with swords on them. Finally, a flaming sword. As Daxus reveals, huge reveal here. He's a closet hemophage. Oh, yeah, they come out of the hemophage. He used closet. his hemophageness to <laughs> rise to power. Six was his hemo beard. <laughs> Six was his. <laughs> so. <laughs> Every bit of his things are like supposed to be these big reveals. I want to kill all hemophages. No, I want to actually kill all humans. No, I am a hemophage. <laughs> I know. It's like that should have been your motivation just flat off from the start. You're a hemophage in charge. Yeah, so he has a flaming sword. They fight, but then she kills him with a fire gun. Yeah, so there's swords, there's fire, there's swords on fire, and there's guns shooting fire. fire. <laughs> just fire guns. That did not happen at all. And Daxus dies six lives the city which is shaped like a crucifix because of fucking (laughs) symbolism that gets blown off they drive off in a truck she delivers some absolutely nonsensical closing narration and we see the one word we've been waiting for for the last 87 minutes end end it just says end not the end no not way way cool if you leave the the that's like finn but the Google Translate, Babelfish, <laughs> end. And that's your movie. That, that's Ultraviolet. Oh, God damn it. Woo! So, Corgi, let's wrap this up and give our ratings for Ultraviolet. Just to remind everyone, a dare is for your run-of-the-mill bad film. Double dare is next-level bad. Reverse dare is a movie that we actually like. Rating for Ultraviolet. Okay, well... 
I don't want to spoil the move because it's really great to see you guys again and be, great to be see back you. in the same room. We're recording. There's a, a warm vibe in here. <sighs> it's a warm, convivial vibe. B- vibe? Is it, there, there's a vice <laughs> there's a convivialness vice to this vibe. <laughs> We've seen several bad movies, oh, movies boy. that are terrible for different reasons. Like mm. Clifford was mm-hmm. just an awful mm-hmm. idea executed terribly. Sure. This movie, hmm. this movie fails so spectacularly at every conceivable aspect. I would venture to say this is the worst movie we've seen. Wow. This is the wow. fucking worst. I don't want to be hyping it up just because yeah. I'm so happy to see you guys. Absolutely. My blood is clean. I honestly, I'm, I'm think I'm there with you. I, you messaged me after watching this movie, what the hell is this movie? And I, I messaged you back, it's sci-fi gaudy. <laughs> I mean, and that's what it is, you know? Like, gaudy, it's just impossible. It's impossible to watch. It's impossible to talk about. It's impossible to understand or even comprehend how terrible it is. And this is the version of that that is set in the future with karate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just as cheap. They're just as chintzy. They're just as poorly acted. They're just as unnecessary. They're just as torturous. <laughs> Double dare, man. Don't ever waste your time. Unless you are doing a bad movie podcast, right. don't ever waste your time with this movie. Yeah, this is one of those occasions where we've done it for you and you never should do it. Never should do it. I'll put a couple of clips, as I always do, into the post just to give you an idea, just to give you a little taste. Yeah. But holy crap. Do not watch the movie. No. Don't do, ever do that. Yeah. We'll, we'll capture some of the best moments. If you want to see these people be better in other things, Mia Jovovich, uh, I like The Messenger with uh, Luke Basson movie. All right. Uh, Nick Chinland, I liked Brothers Kiss. But don't watch this fucking thing. <laughs> Dazed and Confused, yeah. Watch them fly. She sings her song in that movie. But fucking hell. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. That part always gets me in Daisy Confused when she sings her own movie. I'm like, that's fucking cheap. Don't do that. Just because you don't have much to do as a character. Don't sing your own goddamn song. And then then she has her pothead buddies explain what the song's about. There's a whole scene dedicated to explaining a Mia Jovovich song in Daisy Confused. Did nobody else know that? She's singing her song. Then they're having a t- discussion about what that's about. It's about aliens. It's like she's like, Richard, I got some ideas. <laughs> I don't have any dialogue in this movie. Can I sing my song? Sure, Mia. <laughs> so, well, Daniel, what Daniel, what do you think about this movie? Oh, am I still here? Yeah. Um, I thought it was all right. Another thing about Daisy Confused. Totally fine. No, <laughs> no I, we've said it all. It's it's unwatchable. It's unlistenable. It's unthinkable. It's unfathomable. It's Quite possibly the worst movie we've done, and we've done 40 mostly bad movies, mostly very bad movies, and this one sits atop the shit pile. Did you say the words? What words? You're, you're the rating. Double dare all the motherfucking way. <laughs> if there's a triple dare, a quadruple dare, we need new dares for this one, man. That's true, man. This is... Uh, I think this one gets the vice dare. This is a vice dare. <laughs> This is a true vice dare. Vice dare all the way. Vice dare, dare admiral. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Marco, thank you for contributing this one. Thank you, you Marco. Yes. You probably are getting up to Hall of Shame status with these, man. <laughs>
So until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can read more of my movie reviews on the site at daredaniel.com. Corky, yes. where can people find more of your Gunkata brand of humor? You can find me uh, in a very filtery filmed silhouette in front of a green screen at the Arch Ministry of the Comedy Spot. Sacramento, Jane 20th. Come on down. Catch me on Fridays and Saturdays. Um, and also, any any movies you want to dare, we need your dares. That's how this show runs. Drop in. Give us a dares. Hit up our PayPal. Let us know what you want us to review. So for Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. The show is produced by vice producer Johnny Flores. And I'm Corky McDonald using flat space technology, compressed dimensions, and I'm waiting for the real XPD-154 to show up.